Hey, this is Judy Lubin, president of the Center for Urban and Racial Equity. If you're wanting to learn more on how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsov. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey there, listeners. Great to have you with us here on this episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Dr. Judy Lubin. Uh, she has got a PhD and an MPH, and um, is a sociologist, racial justice advocate, and founder and president of the Center for Urban and Racial Equity. In other words, known as Cure, um, Judy has devoted her career to promoting equity for undeserved or and marginalised uh, communities. That has twenty years of experience working at the intersection of racial equity institutional change, public health, and policy advocacy. And I think, uh, Judy, it's wonderful to have you on our show today. So welcome to you. That's so good to be with you, Dennis. Now, I hope I got all that right in your introduction, because there's there's some really rich words, but it's also there's so much meaning behind what you actually do. And the word CURE, which is an acronym for the Centre of Urban and Racial Equity. What does CURE stand? Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Sure. Thank you so much, Dennis, for the opportunity to speak with you and to speak with your 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 global audience. So the Center for Urban and, and Racial Equity, we were founded to transform institutions and, and organizations and to promote equitable policies and practices, particularly within urban um, within urban settings. The piece around transforming organizations and, and institutions is really um, critical for us as we're working in partnership and collaboration with organizations and government agencies to really build more equitable and inclusive organizations, institutions, and ultimately um, communities. And what we hope, you know, it then extends to um, uh, countries, right? And, and, and nations that are more equitable and, and just. And so we started working primarily with, with um, health and housing organizations um, within large cities where we have, we're based in the, in the U.S., in, in Washington, D.C., um, where here in the U.S., um, uh, uh, black and brown populations are largely um, reside in, in, in urban areas. And we uh, were looking at trends over the past 20 
plus years where we're seeing increasing inequality. It's been, and it really is beyond the U.S. Right, globally, we understand um, uh, growing inequities within within uh, within cities um, that you know uh, wealth inequality, income inequality, and certainly racial um, inequality. All of these. Um, inequities and injustices uh, intersect. And so we, we thought it important to be able to build the capacity of organizations, of institutions, of government agencies to be able to be more responsive, more uh, uh, collaborative with the communities that they are charged to serve. And so a lot of that work <laughs> that we do, just to, to maybe get a bit more specific, um, is that we, we, we provide training. You know, what is racial equity? How do you undo uh, institutional and structural racism, really building up um, leaders within organizations to be able to, to build equitable and just um, workplaces, as well as roll out programs and services that are also supportive of, of racial equity? That's really fascinating stuff that you just actually shared there with us, Judy. And um, I've got to say to you, thank you for all the work you're doing with, with you know, around who you're working with people and so forth. I think it's really, really cool. Now, I forgot to ask before, we're about to, I mean, you obviously have mentioned the U.S., but we're about to you in the world today. Okay, so I am in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida, sunny South Florida, uh, not too far from 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 Miami, where I was uh, born in, and raised in most of my family, uh, still live in Miami. Oh, wow. Wow. That's uh, it's a beautiful place in the world, too, because I've been to Flor- uh, Florida and um the humidity there is amazing, isn't it? Um, it's really, really amazing. But um, it's actually quite interesting. We were actually talking about it as a as a family last night, and about the different places and humidity. And and uh, Mary, my my wife said to to the to the family that you know it's amazing because we went to Florida, and her hair outside just went ping because it's just amazing what happens to you here, right? And um, yeah, I, I don't actually have that problem, but um, yeah, but she um, <laughs> that was really amazing to see that. Now. Um, Judy, we're talking about, the, you've talked about Cure and what you do there um, and helping people out and so forth, which is wonderful. Uh, the question I've got for you here is, is there anything else more about your background that you might want to share with our listeners? Sure. So so while we're on the conversation of, of where I am being in, in, in South Florida, so I, I was, as I mentioned, uh, born and, and, and reared here in, in, in South Florida. Uh, my parents are, are Im, uh, immigrants from, from Haiti. Uh, my family started migrating to the U.S. Uh, in the in the uh, late late 60s, early 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 70s, and so I, I grew up with uh, a lot of rich culture and diversity um, in, in South Florida, with lots of uh, immigrants from the Caribbean, from from South America, uh, from from Central America. My my maternal grandmother had seven kids, and so we. Uh, you know, so I, I grew up with lots of aunts and uncles and, and cousins uh, around, which I also credit with um, helping me to to learn how to navigate uh, pers- different personalities very early <laughs> in life because I was surrounded with so many colorful uh, folks coming up. Yeah, it's amazing how large families like that can actually help us develop and actually learn about humans and learn about the different personalities, as you said, and and so forth. And um, sometimes they bring us back to reality too at times, families like that, because, you know, we, we do sorts of certain things around the place, but, you know, sometimes a comment or something they say, um, they're just down to earth, right? They're just people and they're a family and it's just great to be around them, which is really, really That's quite right. cool to do. Now, early on, you were talking about what you do around Cure and what it is and so forth. And 
I know a lot of organizations, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. They talk about diversity and inclusion. They said, oh, it's a leadership thing, and we need to do a diversity and inclusion. I mean, what do you mean you need to do diversity and inclusion? And I think a lot of organizations spend a lot of time on the D, the diversity, but they forget the inclusion piece. What What are you seeing out there in the marketplace? That's such an important question, right? And, and, and when you, like for us at Cure, we really focus on, on the equity um, piece of the, the DEI or the diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Is that, yes, that a lot of organizations and companies focus on the diversity, which is really representation, right? The number of people across a gender and race and ethnicity um, and ability that we have represented, say, as employees within our organization or as part of our, our leadership team. And all of that is critical and important and it's a foundation for equity and for inclusion is that we have to be diverse. But that certainly is not enough, right? Like it is the, it is the minimum, um, but not sufficient, right, for us to have inclusion and for us to have, have equity. So diversity is sort of the baseline how we even begin to have a conversation about inclusion if we don't have diversity. So, right, certainly diversity is important, but the, the I and the E are even, even more critical. Mm. Inclusion, right, is about participation. It's about creating the, the culture and the environment where the voices of, 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 of diverse uh, people and communities and backgrounds are heard uh, and, and valued. Um, and prioritized, right, is, is the experience that we are having together and we're able to leverage the power of diversity by being uh, inclusive, by creating inclusive uh, workplaces and, and cultures and environments. And certainly when we get to, to equity, we're even moving beyond uh, inclusion to, to challenge existing structures and, and processes and decision making so that we are really building um, equitable workplaces, organizations, and communities. And so we need diversity so that that is an opening. It creates the opening for inclusion, right? And then uh, equity pushes us even further is that now that we have diverse representation and that we are creating the space and the opportunity to leverage the power of diversity is then that that means certainly that that changes are going to happen, right? If you're really being inclusive and listening and honoring the wisdom of the 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 um, representation that you have been able to foster by focusing on diversity, then we are going to hopefully move to include to equity. But that is also an intentional process, right? We don't move towards equity without um, intentional and deliberate. Um, commitment, sustained commitment, and, and being really, really, you know, um, clear that we want to change things, right? That we don't want to continue, say, a legacy of injustices, of, of inequality, of, of racism and social um, uh, uh, inequality. And so now, what is it that we need to do? How do we change our organization, our workplace, and build towards equity? Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I was actually interviewing somebody else. Uh, it's probably been a year and a half ago now, and he comes from a large corporate, but they were talking about diversity and inclusion and so forth. And for him, he felt also at times it was more of a, for a lot of organizations, just a tick in the box, right? Now, from his perspective, where he was coming from was disability. And so disability is not being looked at enough mm -hmm. in organizations. It's talked about sometimes, it's lip service, but people are not doing enough about it. And so I think this whole area... 
um, diversity, equity, inclusion, disability. There's so much more to, to go through and to learn, which is just amazing. Now, Judy, how did you get into leadership? I would really love to know a little bit more about that. Great question. You know, for me, I got into leadership through my focus on equity. I, I, I fundamentally believe that if you are working towards equity and justice and inclusion, you have to be a leader, even though you may not call yourself a leader. And we work with a lot of folks who don't consider themselves as leaders, and but they certainly are, right? even in the formal or informal definitions of, of what we think of or who we think of as, as being leaders. But they are often the ones that are pushing for maybe alternative approaches for uh, trying new things, uh, uh, for breaking down barriers. Um, and so I think those are, are qualities and aspects of, of leadership that when you're working on issues of equity and inclusion that necessarily are part of the job, if you will, or a part of advocating for your, your, your community is that you ultimately become a leader, even if you weren't necessarily seeking to to lead and wouldn't even describe yourself as as a leader, um, and so I it, it, so so certainly to a certain extent, right? That the work that I was doing was pushing me towards leadership, and then when I founded Cure, I was the leader, right? I started it, um, and so I had to to move fully into um, this position of of being a leader, right? Having employees, but also working with organizations and government agencies that were looking to us for leadership. And so really um, thinking about what does it mean to embody leadership, right? Is that being able to offer, proactively offer alternative ways of doing things, of thinking and operating. We often would hear from organizational leaders, executive directors, um, uh, 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 CEOs coming to us saying, we need to do something internally in within our company or within our organization about diversity and equity. And they may have had some ideas of what they needed to do or what they might have already started some work, but they found that they were stuck and they needed some outside help. And one of the ways that we led was that we have our own framework for change. And the response that we got was that, wow, <laughs> this framework is very helpful for us to organize our thoughts, to organize our change process and change management. That was not necessarily the way that they were thinking about how to go about building equity and inclusion within their organization. Um, and so in a, it, when there's a vacuum, so to speak, right, of <laughs> knowledge, framework, systems of how do we make real substantive change, um, I think there are opportunities for, for all of us really to step into uh, leadership. Yeah, that's good. Some really good points. And I actually quite interested in what you just said about if there's a void. Sometimes when there's a void in communication or in, the, in that case, the change management side of things or change process, when there's a void, people make it up and they feel like they have to fill that void, right? And, but if you can come along with something, Dale, with experience, with a model, framework, real people who know what they're talking about, then it becomes world-class. Then people start to think about, oh, what is this? This is really good. And then they, if they take it and implement it, that's great. If they play lip service to it, 
it doesn't work. And then they go, oh, it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because you didn't work it. You didn't actually take it and, and implement it, which is really important. So, yeah. Now, uh, Judy, I'm sure you've got many people here, but who would be your favorite leader and why? Now, this person can be alive or from history, but who's your favorite leader and why? Oh, do I have to choose one? <laughs> <laughs> How many you got? <laughs> well, you know, I was recently asked this question in another way. I was asked, who would I like to spend dinner with? <laughs> and so, I, so, so I'm going to answer in the same way that I answered that, that, that question, which is uh, Stacey Abrams. She's running for, for governor of the state of Georgia here. Um, and she ran for governor a few years ago. And she sort of took that, um, that loss. And I, I paused to say loss because there were a lot of uh, discrepancies in in the voting process there um, in the state, and so there were questions and a cloud about the legitimacy of the outcome of the the governor's race. But she sort of took that opportunity and leveraged it to say, "What am I? What What do we need to do within the state to really build momentum and change things?" Um, and so she worked with grassroots um, leaders. Um, and organizations that had already been doing the work, but really galvanizing, right, voter registration um, and significantly increasing the number of, of, of Black, Latino, Latinx, as well as um, Asian Americans in the state uh, to vote. That ultimately all garnered this, this energy and momentum that for the first time in a, in a very long time, the state of Georgia that has historically um, uh, voted Republican for uh, a Republican into office for the first time turned uh, what we say here <laughs> blue, right? Um, which made a big difference in the presidential election. But as I've watched um, Stacey Abrams, I had the opportunity to, to, to see her speak um, live and I just was just so floored by her presence and leadership and able to communicate with the audience. And she was going around the room and taking three, four, five, six questions at once. And then when she came to answer each one, she knew exactly where the first questionnaire was, where the second questionnaire was, the third questionnaire was, and directed um, her responses in such a very personalized way, which I think is really important quality for, mm. for leadership is that even though you're speaking to a broad audience, right, the ability to make people feel like, feel seen and heard and touch individuals while you're also touching a, a, a wide swath of, of people is, is, is a very powerful skill um, to have and to build as a leader. The other thing about Stacey Abrams that I find totally fascinating is she writes romance novels. So, so we have this, <laughs> this powerful, dynamic Black woman political leader that for many years was writing romance novels under a pseudonym, under a different name. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and and now that she's reached this level of of uh, of recognition, she's she's republished these novels under her name. Um, but I just love the the versatility, right? Of <laughs> and and that's also reflective of all of us, right? We have so many different sides, and I and I, I love leaders that are able to truly be authentic and show the different sides of them. So I love that we have this powerful woman, former state representative um, and, and uh, gov uh, candidate for governor that also doesn't mind showing, you know, <laughs> she's got this this wild and um, creative side 
to her as well. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's that's really important. It's awesome to, to see that somebody has another outlet or another way of actually expressing her creative side of things, which is to write the writing right, which is really good. But you know what you said as well about the skill set that she has to be able to listen to what's going on in the audience, take on those questions, then start to answer them and look at the people that's actually asked. That's a that's an awesome skill set to have. Now, since you've taken it down the track of actually the dinner, well, then I, because I actually have a follow up <laughs> question to see to my question, which was if you were sitting on a park bench having a coffee with Stacey, what would you ask? But since you're, if you're at dinner one on one with Stacey, what would be one question you would like to ask her? How do you keep up your energy? <laughs> To, to, to respond to the, the level of, of demand and requests um, for her, her leadership and, and, and guidance. Because I think that's also really important, too, is, is, is how, not only how do you keep up your energy, but how do you sustain yourself, ultimately, is, is, is for me what I think is, is important. I, I just started um, a, a meditation practice. And uh, one of the, the quotes that was offered uh, at the end of one of the meditations this week was the importance of, 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 of nurturing the roots of life, right? And a lot of that is also those moments of, of quiet, um, of where we're able to, to, to be still, but also the time with family, the time for self-care being so important for us to be able to, to build our, our reserves, um, so that we are able to show up as full leaders and in the full capacity um, that were that 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 many um, are looking for us to be able to to show up fully and authentically. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. We do need to take time out to meditate for sure, uh, to think, but also just just have that quiet time. And uh, listeners, I'm going to actually encourage you if you don't do this today to actually put some time into your calendar just to have me time or quiet time. And it could be just 15 minutes, could be right through for an hour if you want, but it's a lot of quiet time. But also it's time to think, but also it's just time to be quiet. Turn the devices off, just get away from things, be quiet, because it'd be be really interesting to see what comes up for you, which is going to be really quite cool to know. Now, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. And no, Judy, you can't change this title. It is the title (laughs) of the show. When I say that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? So I, I have to, to, to think about it in the context and the work that we do every day. We work largely with, um, as I mentioned, organizations and leaders that are uh, taking the charge of equity to heart, right? And particularly in the last few years when we saw um, the, the, the racial justice uprisings in 2020 as a result of, of uh, the police killings here um, in the U.S., uh, many organizations and companies made pledges uh, to be anti-racist, to uh, really internalize what it means to, to, to be an equitable organization, to change their policies, their practices, to hire more uh, people of color, and to make sure that there were equitable opportunities for advancement. And so that is a that was a clear opportunity for leadership to change. Mm. Um, and leadership is changing in response to those demands. Leadership has to change, right, to be more equitable, to be more inclusive. And so in the work that we have done, right, particularly over the past uh, four to five years working with leaderships and orgs uh, to build racial equity is that what we were finding is that leadership was not ready to change. <laughs> and that was impeding progress and it was impeding 
um, you know, st uh, staff of color in particular, but even uh, younger staff, junior staff, from really believing that leadership was committed to, to changing and to, to building a, an organization that was truly inclusive um, and equitable and where there was more power sharing, for example, across uh, the organization. And so one of the things that we learned very early on um, when we started working with our client partners was that leadership had to be in the room mm. because we had a couple of engagements where we didn't have the full leadership uh, in the room. We maybe had one person from the leadership team or two people from the leadership team. And so we would go through this process of building a working group or task force within the organization or government agency. We train them. We conduct an organizational assessment and everyone on the working group understood what was going on. They were part of that process. And then when we had to go back to leadership and say, look, this is what your employee said in the survey and in the focus groups, we got a lot of pushback from leadership that didn't want to believe uh, what people were saying that they had experienced within the organization. And then they weren't necessarily wanting to adopt the changes that we were suggesting or the their internal working group was suggesting. And so we had two experiences like that. And we said, you know what, we're not going to work with any organizations where the CEO or the, the main person, the executive director is not going to be on that, that, that working group. And that we would have to have a number of other people from the leadership team part of that change process. And I, and, and that has made the, all the difference mm. um, in how we progress through these uh, racial equity change processes over the past few years is that leadership has to be a part of the change and leadership, members of leadership has to have to change um, themselves. And so we work through a lot of those questions and challenges um, in trainings and workshops um, with organizational leaders, because uh, employees and staff more broadly are are looking to leadership to embody what it what it means for their workplace, for their institution to really be committed to equity, uh, inclusion, and justice, and and belonging. And so, if, if if leadership is not in the room and leadership is not part of the change process, and not just talking about it, but really being present. And, and, and verbalizing and vocalizing why it is important for themselves personally, as well as for the organization that they are trying to change, um, then, then, then that all, all that work really gets thrown out the window. And so we didn't want to, you know, if you're going to go through a nine month, 12 month engagement with, with Cure, right, we wanted to make sure that that was going to be a process that was going to result in substantive change. I'm glad you actually shared that with us because I was about to ask you, you know, there's a lot of leaders that got up and said at the time of Black Lives Matter and so forth that they got up, oh, this is what we're going to do and we should do that. And I'm thinking, you're saying that, but how many of you are actually doing it? And I think you've just answered the question there for me already. Um, so it's not about some doing it, but it's also making sure you've got the right players in the room who are buying into it and also bringing it to life within the organization. Now, whether that be the CEO or another senior leader or the exec in the team who's the sponsor that represents that executive team to say, we've got to do this and this is what we are doing to get the buy-in. It absolutely, absolutely does. You know, I've got a, a background whereby uh, my father is from Greece. And um, so coming from a Greek background, he came to New Zealand 62 years ago. And even as an immigrant coming to New Zealand, you know, it was really quite interesting in what he went through and so forth. But there's a Greek saying out there that says, the fish 
rots from the head. And I think the, the, if you just talk about the actual example, you just you know what you've actually just shared there with us, that if it's not being owned by the leaders within the organisation, the senior leaders, and they actually really do own it, and they actually bring it to life, and they actually talking about it, and and so forth, then it ain't going to happen. It, it it'll happen in little pockets, but it's not going to actually happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not just around what you've just shared; it's around anything that that, that That's we right. do in business as well. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting. Now, Judy, I really want to get your your thoughts on this one here too, because we are living in a life that's getting faster all the time. It's a fast-paced, ever-changing world, whether it be around data, whether it be around life, social, business, whatever it is, technology. What makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? What's your thoughts? Certainly being flexible, mm. <laughs> right? It, it, uh, being flexible, um, and I, and I think that shows up in a number of of different different ways. Uh, being able to listen deeply, I think, um, is 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 for me part of the the ability to be flexible. Right? Is that if something is not working, maybe I as the leader, I may be unaware that it's not working, or I as the leader would prefer to keep things the way that they are because that is comfortable for me. And I can certainly speak to that from my own experience is that I, you know, I, I like things a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I think it's working, then let's keep doing it. But if other people are saying this is not working, I have to have the capacity um, to listen and to be able to, to, to see or to help create the space for others to show and to demonstrate that there's an alternate way of going about of doing going about doing things of of changing how we operate for example and and this is a lot of what we do every day is 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 helping leaders to 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 listen right a lot sometimes there are there are there are things there are policies and practices that for some leaders have nothing to do with equity and inclusion, right? In their understanding of how things work, like what does the healthcare policy of our organization have to do with equity? And then we have conversations with the employees and they say, well, everyone across the organization pays the same amount for our health insurance premiums, regardless of whether you are at the executive level or whether you are an entry level frontline person that's making minimum wage or close to minimum wage. So that's not equitable, right? And so we we literally had that example, two different organizations where one leader pushed back on the idea that the, that the, the healthcare uh, policies and, and it had anything to do with equity. And then we had another organization that really, you know, the, it came up again for them um, that really said, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Let's actually go to our our health insurance provider and ask them to come up with some different models for how we might change the structure for the premiums, depending on the the wages of the the employees. Um, And so that takes, you know, a leader being willing to, to listen and to, 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 to think about things in a, in a different way and conversations about equity and inclusion um, often can result in defensiveness among among leaders oh, a bit. <laughs> is, <laughs> right and, and that was the perfect example of, of organization a where the leader said this has nothing to do with equity this is just health you know we're for we decided to find the best health care policy for um health health insurance policy for our our 
our employees. Um, and so, so the defensiveness um, <laughs> that gets in the way of the flexibility and the innovation, I think that's needed in this fast paced um, world, um, I think probably hinders a lot of progress. Yeah. Um, and so I think to the extent that um, we are even in, in the midst of things changing every day and leadership changing every day. So leadership has to be able to change, right? And maybe a little bit faster than um, some of us might (laughs) be equipped equipped to, right? And so I think part of that is also continuing to develop ourselves um, always, you know, in that that state of of, of learning and um, that embracing the beginner's mind is, is, you know, I know a lot. I've been around a while, but I also still don't know a lot. And there's <laughs> more for me to learn and more growth yep. to happen. Yeah, that's good. Some really nice points that you've made there too. Yeah, absolutely. So be flexible, listen better. And if it's not working, then you may need to confront yourself and think about maybe it's me. No, it wouldn't be me, would it? <laughs> but um, anyhow, interesting. Uh, just mindful of our time together. And I'm um, just thinking, I've got a couple more quick questions here for you. One would be, you and I have been talking about from the lens of a leader. If we had to sort of switch that now and talk about employees, you mentioned you had some employees and so forth. Has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think certainly for, for the work that we do at Cure, um, one of the ways we see expectations have, have changed is in, in the notion of power and hierarchy within organizations and companies. Um, is that employees are, are are expecting still to have a voice, right? And I think in a way that um, leaders traditionally or historically have not been taught or or to to understand, right? That um, your employees are stakeholders too, right? So beyond the, the your clients, uh, beyond your uh, shareholders, right? Your employees are stakeholders. Um, and, and stakeholders uh, have a voice. Stakeholders help to shape the future of the organization. They are particular employees, right? They are in the organization moving things every day. They know the organization maybe even more so to the extent than the leadership mm. does. Um, and so they have a particular voice and perspective that needs to not only be listened to, but honored. There has to be a continuous feedback loop, right? Two-way communication that we are sharing power, right? Um, And so this is a big challenge for organizations and for leaders that are trying to to build um, equity is what does it mean to to share power, right? That just because you're the executive director or the, the CEO it doesn't mean you get to speak first when a <laughs> when a question is is put put on the table in the room, right? Um, and so people and employees are are looking for a different set of power dynamics, um, and they're looking to be valued. I think in a way that um, traditionally, when we think about employees, um, that 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 is upending, if you will. Um, leadership structures. We're, we're starting to see um, co-directors or co-leaders. Um, you know, other internal shifts in the structures of the organ of organization, so that it enables more power sharing and more voices of the employees to be amplified. Mm-hmm. Judy, I actually would actually even maybe even take it to another level, whereby you say it's power being shared. But I think if you do all that kind of stuff, it's powerful. 
and that That's it's right. actually really quite cool. Yeah. Now, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out here and think about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, certainly leadership is, is, is more diverse uh, and more inclusive. Leadership, I think, and when I say that, that is in, in more diverse in terms of representation across uh, the board, gender, um, race and ethnicity, uh, uh, ability, uh, uh, LGBTQ representation, right, that we are in a, a, a place historically where we're seeing leadership is going to look differently and leadership needs to look uh, look differently. Um, so I would say that is um, uh, certainly the first thing that I'm seeing in this <laughs> in this crystal crystal ball. Um, I also think uh, that we see leadership um, showing up in more of a we say here like grassroots, authentic, um, just just not not what we have historically thought of leadership. Leadership doesn't have to be polished and speak a certain way. Um, and so I think it's it's going to be a refreshing shift, right, as we are, each of us, right, charged to um, really internalize equity and diversity and inclusion. It's also shifting our mindsets of who a leader is, right, is, is part of the work that we're doing at, at Cure is, right, helping people to reconceptualize and challenge old ideas, and many of them are racist and sexist ideas of what a, a leader of who a leader is. Um, and so that work has to continue. And so we're going to see the transformation in, in leadership um, happening in that in those areas um, as well. Certainly with the remote work mm. um, over the, the past few years, that that is changing leadership as well, right? Amazing. So so many, many organizations and companies are not going back to being in an office setting. And so what does that mean for me as a leader, right? How do I relate to, engage, be in conversation, be in community with my employees and other stakeholders, right? That may require a different set of, of skills that need to be um, developed and new, maybe new processes um, and structures put in place so that we can maintain that sense of connectivity that we no longer have, you know, hanging out in the office, in the lunchroom, um, or going out to, to lunch, right? That, that something else is needed, um, and that's going to require leadership as well. There you go. Being in the community and developing a community and having leadership that is going to shift its mindset, which is really quite cool. Judy, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? You can find me on Twitter at Judy Lubin. That's my handle. You can also find us on our website, uh, urbanandracialequity.org. Awesome. Judy, once again, thank you so much for being on today's episode. It's great having you with us. Thank you so much, Dennis. Good to be in conversation with you. Thank you. Yes. There you go, listeners. Leaders need to shift their mindset. Employees are stakeholders and let's build a community of people as we move forward into the next five years of leadership. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, 
or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.